We are a community that loves like Jesus, and my hope and my prayer is that this would be a transformative space for you. We are continuing our sermon series called The Best Stories Ever, and today's sermon is titled Personal Responsibility. We are in the book of Ephesians, which is one of the many letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the surrounding churches in the area after Jesus ascends and the church began. So, leading into our sermon today, I want to ask you a question. What's your greatest ability? Now, maybe you've been asked that before, maybe not since a child. What are you good at? I wonder what some of you would say now. Maybe you're an adult, maybe you're an older adult. You might say, I'm good at being a parent. I'm good at maybe cars or being a mechanic. I'm good at math. I'm good at accounting. I'm good at cooking. I'm good at knitting. I'm good at selling retail. I'm a great salesman. I'm good at Netflix, right? Whatever you're good at, I want to suggest something to you this morning about your greatest ability according to Scripture. Our greatest ability that I see in Scripture is our responsibility. Responsibility is the ability to respond to life well. It's one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. God created us, made us a human being, and what makes us human is the ability to choose our response to life more than fight or flight. I'm going to say that again. What makes us human is the ability to choose our response to life more than fight or flight. So you can respond to life in many different ways. Many different ways to stress, many different ways to problems, crises, many different ways to opportunities, many different ways to relationship, relationships. It's all our choice, though, in attitude. We have a choice to respond well when it comes to our attitude, the feelings we have, or maybe the actions that we take. We have a choice in that. Circumstances, though, are much different. You can't necessarily choose the circumstances in which you are in, only the attitude in which we have in our circumstances. So you didn't choose where you were born or when you were born or what family that you came from or what situation you were born in. You don't choose a lot of the circumstances and events that happened to you as a teenager or as a young adult or as a middle age or an older adult. You have not necessarily chosen the things that are around you, that are happening around you or to you. But yet you do have the freedom, and I have the freedom, to choose how we respond to those things. Very difficult task, requires a lot of character growth, but yet because we have that choice, because you have the freedom to respond, and also the power to be a responsible person in the Holy Spirit, you are response-able. You're responsible. So our beliefs, what I believe is our beliefs or our values, determine our behavior, and our behavior determines how we approach society. Some people believe that it's just our beliefs and our behavior actually get us places in life, and I, I, I actually don't believe that, that you can have the best attitude, the most moral character, and the best behavior, and you can still be 
held down in life by circumstances. But our approach or our attitude in life is something that we do have a control over. So our values break down. So our responses in life break down, creating a cycle of disruption, creating dysfunction in, <clears throat> in our culture. So I believe that there's four values that are prevalent in our society. And the four values, or the four mentalities, I'll call them, rather, uh, are first the rights mentality, then we have the victim mentality, we have the entitlement mentality, and for the Christian out there, we'll call the last one the Jesus mentality. So I do believe that you can have the Jesus mentality without believing actually in Jesus. You can carry out the morality and the good nature and the good works of Jesus without believing in Jesus. And so it comes from our just created being. So the rights mentality basically goes like this. I have my right to not participate in this or that. Or I have my right to participate in this or that. And so I'm just doing it because I'm interested in doing it and I'm obsessed with it or it's my life. I have a right to do it. Well, in today's society, I believe that we're obsessed with the idea of personal rights. Personal rights are important, need to be protected, but we're obsessed as a culture with personal rights for the wrong things. So people say things like this, and all over right now, people don't want to wear masks during COVID, and they think that it's their personal right to not wear masks and to be close and to have huge parties and live their life the way that they want to live, no matter what, because it is their right. Well, some people say that it's a, a person's responsibility only, individual responsibility, to provide for their families all kinds of things, including health care at whatever cost. So health care, according to those people, is not a, right, uh, not a right. So not wearing a mask is a right, and health care is not a right to some. Well, we use the same language of rights with our shopping habits or where we go or where we eat or what we do or how we drive, we use our, the language of rights as we do the same language with such things as human rights. So it seems very imbalanced, the rights mentality, where we're using language all over the map to describe the same ideas and things, but the same ideas and things are not equal, are not equal. So the second is what I'll call the victim mentality. The victim mentality basically goes like this. None of my problems are my fault. None of them. In fact, they're all your fault. So we blame. In the victim mentality and in normal mentality, problems are our fault and some problems are not our fault. But in a victim mentality, none of my problems are my fault and they're your fault. So blaming and pointing the finger. Well, every time we blame someone else for the simple problems in our life that maybe were caused by us even, that unhappiness in our lives basically is a step backwards and it's not a step forwards. So there are real victims in the world, real victims that have endured real things, 
real violations in their lives. Yet when we have a false victim mentality and we're not a victim, it blinds us to who a real victim actually is and what real victimization is in our culture. So the victim mentality is just another response to life. Well, then we have the entitlement mentality, and that basically says, I deserve it, or I deserve all the things that I want. And this is very strange and sometimes difficult to deal with, and many of us deal with it on an ongoing basis, and it's not the heart of service. And so our approach to life in the entitlement mentality in this form is self-focused versus other-focused. And so then you have the Jesus mentality, and that's what I'll call it is a Jesus mentality because I want to follow Jesus and I want to have his mentality, which basically says whatever your situation, whether you're rich or poor or whatever ailments that we have or whether we feel ahead or behind in our situation, whatever it is, our approach to life, we have a sense of meaning. We do have a sense of purpose in Jesus. And no matter what, God calls us to love. So we have a love mentality to be other-centered and to learn to share with all of those in need. So do we have, this very real, do we have some entitlements in our society? Absolutely, we have some entitlements. And there's some things that I think that people do deserve and should, if I could put it under a should contract, should get. Yes, we have some entitlements. Are there victims around us? Absolutely. And we need to see with clarity who the, very, the, the, the victims are that are around us that need to be helped and lifted up and healed in this society. Do we have rights? Absolutely. And Jesus communicated us to give to those what they deserve, to help those in need, and to not take what is rightfully another person's. Well, this takes careful obedience in order to carry out the will of God in this way and to live like Jesus and how he wants us to live. It takes very careful obedience. So all those, I'll say, false mentalities or dysfunctional mentalities are in stark contrast to what Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15, says to us. And Paul is writing to the church and he says, so be careful to live your life wisely and not foolishly. Take advantage of every opportunity because these are evil times. And because of this, don't be ignorant, but the Lord understands, but understand the Lord's will. So God says you're to live your life with a sense of responsibility. And more important than that, notice the reason he tells us. Basically, he tells us, he says, because you know the meaning of life. And the point of this verse is this, that if you live your life in a responsible way, it means that we are growing in our understanding of the meaning of life in which God created us and put us here on this planet. We're figuring it out. And the more responsible we become, the more generous we become, the more other-centered we become, the more loving we become, the, the looking at those that are in need and the poor will always be amongst us. So let's take care of the poor and the orphans and the widows. Why did God put me here? To take responsibility and to engage in responsibility and have God's purpose in my heart to love those that are 
around us and to clothe those that are naked and to house those that are houseless and to feed those that are hungry. So why should I live, though, a responsible life? I mean, what are some real concrete reasons why? Well, I'll, I'll give you several here. And the first one comes out of Hebrews 4. But it's, it's basically God is watching me. I, I need to live a responsible life because God is keeping an account of my life. So in Hebrews 4.13, no creature is hidden from it, but rather everything is naked and exposed to the eyes of the one to whom we have, ha- have, to, give it, have to give an answer. So things are exposed to God. We have to give him give God an answer. So God sees it all. God's going to judge us one day and evaluate our lives on how we, how we carried out um, our life and the gifts that God has given us. So God planned us, thought us up, and put us here on earth, and he's going to ask us how we carried out life in a responsible way. And I don't need to be afraid of that. I don't need to think that God is the cosmic killjoy that's watching my every move and going to snipe me out, you know, and just snuff me out here on this planet if I make a a little mistake. But why is God interested in my character? Well, it's because it's the only thing that basically I'm going to leave behind when I die and take with me when I go to heaven. I mean, the Bible says that in eternity we will be rewarded according to our responsibility and our relationship with Christ here on earth. How How will we be rewarded? I have no idea. But one thing that I do know is I I don't want to be receiving the least of that reward. Oh, Kevin Bates, come on in. You barely made it by the skin of your teeth. And oh, here's your reward. And where's the rest of it? I don't know. But here, you you get the minimum. I don't want to be there. I, I don't want to settle for the least here on earth. I'm the least loving person. I, I, I'm barely getting a reward in heaven. I know God. I know his son, Jesus, and I'm a follower of Jesus. And the issue is, what am I doing with what God has given me? So in Romans 14, each of us will be given a, get, each of us will have to give a personal account to God. So I'm going to be held accountable to God for how responsible I lived my life. How that's interpreted or what I do with that, we can't live under guilt complexes or should contracts with such things. We have the Spirit of God inside of us, and that Spirit of God needs to motivate us to bring love and peace and joy and the fruit of the Spirit in people's lives and to give to those in need and be very generous and an outpouring of that spirit to, to others around us. So why should I live a responsible life? Not just because God is watching me, but because others are affected by me as well. None of us live our, to ourselves alone. We are all interdependent. And I know that we live in a very independent society, but we're not independent. We're not dependent and we're not independent. We're interdependent on one another. And so the great, the great moments of interdependency that I saw was during COVID where people were bringing food to the elderly and bringing supplies to the doorsteps and mailing things to people and drop shipping things to people that were in need. It was a beautiful, beautiful time because when we go into crisis, many times that's where we see total independence, total dependence, and total interdependence. I mean, we see it all. And it's certainly beautiful to watch people be interdependent on one another and propping each other up and really concerned for those 
that are in need. And so in 1 Corinthians 10.24, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. So I love the idea of parenting in Scripture and the metaphor of parenting and the child. There's something very beautiful in that picture that I see whenever it's described or or, or illustrated as an issue or, or something that God is commanding us to be or to carry out. But the metaphor of parenting is ultimately, yes, we are responsible for our own children. Yet a lot of children don't grow up with both parents. So who's responsible for that child, like the orphan or the one that's that's in for adoption. Like who's responsible for, for that child? And that's where I think that the Christian character is a beautiful thing, where we, where we are a communion of people. We're a community, we're a village. And it takes a village to raise a child. I mean, it takes an entire church to raise my children. And I'm so thankful that I have this church to help, help me as, as a parent, that you are all, some of you are parents and, and all of you are helping me and being parents like like parents to my children and so to partner with parents and to help raise children as a community is a very beautiful thing and when there's an orphan it's the christian character to stand in the gap and provide and parent even if that parenting season is to find a forever family for the children and that's what the christian call when it comes to orphans and widows and taking care of those that are in need, that's the call that we are to step into. So remember that just like we raise children in a community, our decisions and our actions affect one another and affect children and affect parents and affect brothers and sisters and everybody around us and friends. Every decision we make, whether positive or negative, affects somebody else, even the secret ones. And it changes you. Decisions change us. And, it, and, it, and decisions, we are influenced by decisions and we influence others just by our changed life. And we might not see it in visible results, but in the invisible and in the influences and what we say and how we say it, when we're irresponsible, it hurts somebody. Our mouth can hurt somebody. It's it's kind of in an existential way where I say something and that might hurt somebody or help somebody across the way. And so when somebody in, let's say, our immediate circle or our family or our immediate friend group or our community has a problem, it becomes like a community problem. It becomes a family problem. It becomes a friend problem. I mean, it influences everybody in that group. And so there's no such thing as a non-affecting decision. You influence your family, parents, kids, brothers, sisters, moms, dads, husbands, wives, coworkers, friends. The choices we make influence the people around us, strangers. They influence people in our neighborhoods. They influence society at a large scale and in major and minor ways, small scale. And that's why it's totally irresponsible, folks, to say, I can live whatever the way I want to live. It doesn't matter to you. I can do whatever I want. Well, I think that I'm a little too communal for that attitude, that my stinginess and greed has definitely taken from other people. My mouth has hurt people, and so I don't live solo. It does matter 
because it affects another person. And when you do the same to me, it affects me and it affects other people around us and it, it affects the church. So we need to be responsible because God is watching and because other people are affected. But the third reason is super important as well is that God rewards it. And in Deuteronomy 28, it says, you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. So Deuteronomy is a, is a, is a pretty important book that, that not too many people open up, but it talks a lot about obedience and following, let's say, the law. And in this verse, to experience blessing, you obeyed the Lord. Now, that, if you read the entire book, it's not saying because you're following a set of rules, you're going to get something. God says you will not believe what I'm going to pour out on your life if you live responsibly with your time, with your money, with your relationships, every area of your life. He will bless you in ways that you cannot even imagine. And one of the ways that I read in Scripture that God rewards us when we are responsible is he gives us a greater responsibility. So Jesus says to those who who use well what they are given, even more will be given. So I can tell you that I feel ultimately blessed and experience a huge reward. And my responsibility, I can see it tangibly actually increases when I'm this way, when I'm frugal, when I'm efficient, when I'm careful, when I'm disciplined, when I think things through, when I plan, when I think about tomorrow and I and I, and, I, I, and I invest in, in things that affect tomorrow, tomorrow. I'm frugal, let's say, in my spending. I'm generous in my giving. I'm disciplined, let's say, in my eating, in my health, in my exercise, when I'm disciplined in that, when I'm investing time in relationships and cultivating my relationship with God, I feel a sense of responsibility, I feel a sense of blessing, and I feel like in those seasons of my life, God gives me more responsibility and, and basically establishes and puts my feet on a firmer foundation, and I definitely experience lots of blessing from God when I'm disciplined and I'm careful and I'm obedient. But I can tell you that I feel and experience much consequence. Rocky foundation, I don't feel important, self-esteem goes down. Um, when I am irresponsible and not thinking things through and unplanned and just all over the place, I literally am a mess and I experience consequence when I'm irresponsible with my spending, I'm stingy with my giving, I eat everything in the house and out of the house, I ignore my relationships, I never pick, out, pick up my Bible. I feel, and here's what it is, I feel taken from. When I'm irresponsible and undisciplined, I feel taken from. So how is that possible? When I'm disciplined, I feel blessing, but when I'm indulgent and I'm irresponsible and a glutton, I feel taken from, even though I've given myself everything. It's interesting how that works. Well, I would encourage us to be responsible people by having careful discipline. By being careful and generous, like in Proverbs 21, with our finances. Being careful and generous right now with our finances is super, 
super important. In Proverbs 21.20, it says, the wise will have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. So a simple proverb for that. But also, <clears throat> when I'm faced with adversity, when I'm faced with crises, when I'm faced with, with somebody attacking me, just emotionally or pointing the finger at me, I need to learn to control my reactions. I need to stop taking my emotions and just spilling them out all over everything and everyone. I need to control my reactions and I have a stimulus and then I pause and then I respond. So when I experience a crisis, I need to respond, control my reaction, and then instead of reacting, I need to respond to it. Whether that be a relationship or a or a crisis or something comes my way that I wasn't expecting. So in Matthew 12, 36, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. And I love that, that it's idle words. So every word that we're just flipping out there and calling this and calling that and reacting all over everything and everyone, we're gonna be given, be give, we will have to give an account for those things. So in order to do that, to be disciplined and controlling my reactions, I need to do some mind work. I need to work on this space here. And I wanna, I wanna just encourage us to guard our minds. God has given us a mind, and the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a person thinks in their heart, they are. And so in my mind, I have all kinds of thoughts in my mind. And the words that come out of my mouth start right here. And my reactions that come out of my actions start right here. So I need to begin the process of mindfulness, <clears throat> prayer time, silence. I need to have spiritual disciplines in my life to be able to guard my mind and to grow in my emotional intelligence as a Christian and have that Jesus-type mentality character. So along with that, we then are able to confess, we're able to be transparent, we're not concealing things, we can admit our mistakes and grow through them and become stronger people, like in Proverbs 28. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. And we see then an increase in all of these. And that was the message to the Ephesian church. As the Ephesian church was being irresponsible with their tongue, irresponsible with their worship, irresponsible with their actions, or maybe they weren't taking care of the people that they were. Every single church in the New Testament in these letters, they, were, they became followers of Jesus. They were passionate. They were, they were disciplined at first. They listened. They dedicated themselves to the apostle teaching, breaking of bread to prayer. They met in homes, and they met in homes often. And they started out on this, maybe we call that spiritual mountaintop experience. And then life happens. Crises happen. Um, people say things, do things. They were even maybe even attacked or, or oppressed during the time. And, and life happens in these ways. Life is difficult um, many times. And so if you've l lived more than a couple of weeks, you know, you know that life can be hard. But yet in discipline and responsibility, our greatest gift from God, 
we can still live no matter what is thrown at us. Our response, if it's in the fruit of the Spirit, if it shows love, if it engages those that are in need, if it's still generous in the ways that we can be, God will give us blessing in that attitude. And the rewards in heaven will be great. And that's what makes this story the best story ever. So let's take communion. Jesus sat around the table and he says, you're gonna take this message out and this is your responsibility to share this message. That no matter what happens, people will persecute you, he said, because of Jesus, people will persecute you, he said to them. And he gave them this bread and this juice as a reminder that even though, even though that life is just hitting you on all corners, he says, I've given you grace, I've shown you love, and I've taught you the way to heaven. I've taught you the way to eternity. And he says, this is my body, this is my blood. He says, do this in remembrance of me and carry out that will in your life. Lord, thank you for Jesus, the character of Jesus, the mentality of Jesus, the model of Jesus. Lord, the salvation through Jesus. Lord, the promise of eternity that we get to live in through the spirit that Jesus, you give us. Lord, help us to carry out your character and your mentality in this life, that no matter what we face, Lord, that our attitude we would choose, Lord, a spiritual attitude. Lord, that we would have a heavenly response, that we would have a Jesus response, even to our enemies. So Lord, we love you, we thank you. Lord, help us to live each and every day like we are saved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.